as well. Um, we're going to open in prayer, and I'm just going to share the word of the Lord, and then pastor's going to plan on coming after me, and we're just looking to God to do something in our hearts today. That's my expectation is in Him, not in my ability or inability to speak, definitely not to craft this sermon, but we serve a living and loving and powerful God that wants to bring change in our hearts. He wants to open our eyes to see truth more and more. He wants to gift us with godly sorrow and repentance so that we can be broken vessels. That's his will. He wants us to draw near to him. So we're going to trust him to continue that, that he's already been doing even today and tonight. Um, Father, you're just awesome. Lord, I thank you for your steadfast love. I thank you that you are sovereign. You don't need us, but you chose to create us in your image you chose to draw us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. You chose to set us free in the name of Jesus from sin and bondage. And God, you're still doing it. Reveal your will to us today. Continue, God, to reveal your will for the church in today's time. You're doing it, and we thank you for doing it more, God, in the beautiful precious and strong name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Um, I'm going to read from our uh, passage for the weekend, which is Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. Who has that memorized yet? No, just kidding. Um, but I'll go ahead and give a heads up. I'm going to read various verses, but some of the ones I'm going to focus on, uh, you don't have to turn there now, but maybe more for the guys in the back. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. And then also I'll be looking into uh, the book of Mark, chapter 10, um, I believe it's 46, with blind Bartimaeus. So, but for now, we're going to read Luke, chapter 4. Let me get there. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. One thing I love about Jesus is that this is like his mission statement. This is like Jesus saying, this is why I'm here. This is my purpose. But as you read through the gospel, he lives this out. He's not just saying it. As you read through the gospels, you get to see this alive in the person of Jesus. He's radical. He's different. He's amazing. He's the son of God. He's Emmanuel, God in the flesh. This is not an ordinary human being. Powerful. He lived this stuff out, and I was just so blessed to see that through this study. He wants us to see him. He wants us to get a, a gaze upon his goodness and his power. It's just so beautiful. Um, today, my, I like what Justin said, charge, my assignment is to talk about recovering of sight to the blind. So Jesus talks about the Spirit has sent me 
to proclaim recovering of sight to the blind. So I just want to do this real quick. I ask everyone to just close your eyes for a moment. Just completely close your eyes. And keep your eyes closed, but look around. You know, turn your head, look around at the people around you. Now, imagine that you needed to go get a drink of water right now. Imagine that you had to go out to the car, or you had to cross the street, or go into the grocery store, or something, there's just an emergency, you needed to get somewhere. All right, you can open your eyes. Being, isn't it so much better to see? You get to see the beauty of God's creation. But Jesus came to give recovery of sight to the blind. So what does this mean, recovering of sight? What's he talking about? Because not every human being is blind physically. So God intends something even deeper. Yes, it's physical blindness. Jesus healed blind people, but it's something deeper. In the Greek, it means restoration of sight, so recovery of sight. So when he says, I'm here to give recovery of sight to the blind, that's what he wants to do. And blind means physically blind or mentally blind. Opaque, as if smoky, blocking the path of light. So Jesus' mission was to help people see who can't see to give recovery of sight to the blind. That is his mission as led by the Holy Spirit. But here's a question. Who is blind? Who is he talking about? Again, we can see with our eyes. What does that mean, blindness? Who is Jesus talking about? I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So it says our gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. To perish is to destroy fully. So we think about that. People are perishing. What does that mean? Well, eternity is real. People will live in eternal separation from God who have not repented and put their faith in him. They will perish. How often is that on my mindset throughout the day? How often am I thinking about people who are perishing? And as we learned last night, uh, Glenn mentioned that unbelief means believing lies. So he's blinded the minds of the unbelievers, or he's blinded, Satan has blinded the minds of those who are believing lies. And that's nothing new for Satan. This began in the Garden of Eden. God told Adam and Eve, we're going back to Genesis, that they can eat of any tree except for one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan came to Eve and spoke. He, he questioned God's character first. 
He said in Genesis 3.1, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He was questioning the integrity and character of God. How often do I do that? How often do we question God's integrity and his good and merciful and holy character? But then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That is a direct lie to what God Almighty told Adam. So Satan is still doing the same thing. He's blinding those who are believing lies because he wants, he hates God. He wants God's precious treasures to perish, to be separated. Satan wants to hurt people and see them perish. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. We must understand that who our enemy is and that we are in a war. As we heard from Glenn last night, we are in a war, but we're fighting against beings we can't even see. That's why the word of God, faith, and the Holy Spirit and the church is so important to be able to see. Jesus called Satan a murderer from the beginning, and there's no truth in him. So we need to understand that there is a wicked being that has blinded the minds of those that are perishing. We need to have that in our mindset, in our spirit, that many are deceived, and they're on a path of destruction. It's easy to go about my daily life. It's easy to get focused at work. It's easy to be stuck in my own head. But there are people perishing. The word of God is truth. This is reality, not my own thinking, not even my circumstances. Circumstances change. This is very serious stuff. These are real truths. People are perishing. People are perishing out there. People are perishing where we serve at the housing authority. People are perishing in my neighborhood, in my family. Do, do I keep that mindset? How do I remind myself? What am, what am I to do with that? I was perishing. We all were perishing. But God is faithful and he's merciful. So here's another question. What has Satan blinded people from? What is he blinding people from? Well, the simple answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me find my place real quick. And 2 Corinthians 4 says that he has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That's what Satan blinds people to, to seeing the gospel, to seeing their own condition and sinfulness. But we must remember Jesus was sent to restore sight to the blind. He doesn't leave people blind. He doesn't leave people in their sin. That's not his will. He wants people to see. He wants people to come alive to a relationship with God. He wants people to see our, how rebellious we are apart from him. He wants people to see our own depravity so that we can see his mercy displayed on the cross. That's the God we serve. He's not just leaving things as is, but he's now calling us to partake in that mission. But here's another thing. There's another group of people that can be blinded. Us. 
we can be blinded in our daily lives. Many of us here have been awakened to the reality of Christ. We've repented. We've received the Holy Spirit. But we can get blinded in our daily life to the goodness of God. We can get blinded to the holiness of God. We can be blinded to the oncoming wrath of God against sinners who don't repent. And God wants to restore our sight so that we will go out like we heard from Justin yesterday and have a testimony to share it with others. Because our testimony, as we heard last night, isn't even just for us. That testimony is to glorify God. But we have to let God restore our sight so that we love him, so that we see our need, we see the cross, and we want to go to the lost souls. We're willing to deny ourselves and say, God, these people are perishing. God, I'm going to choose. I see how good you've been to me, and I'm going to say no to what I want to do, and God, I prefer them. Give me grace to serve with a good attitude. Give me grace to pray for others. That's a new life in Jesus. It's not about us anymore, but it also can be a delightful life in Jesus. It's not just duty and works. When the blinders are taken off of our eyes, then we see him. And there is a joy. Doesn't mean we always feel it. Definitely doesn't mean we always feel it, unless I'm way off, but... No. So what are some, don't say amen to that. Okay. <laughs> but really it's idolatry and unbelief in our hearts that keeps us from seeing God. So what idols hinder me? What idols can hinder you from seeing God, from having your sight and your mind and your spirit restored to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? What is in your life that obscures your view of God? Is it comfort? The desire for comfort and instant gratification in various ways, whether it's food, entertainment, uh, whatever. That can be idolatrous and blind us to God and to the needs of others around us. Is it a love for the world, the lust of the flesh? This is in all of us, y'all. It's in all of our hearts. But is it ruling and reigning in a way that is blinding you from your purpose in God? Is it blinding you from stepping into fellowship, deeper fellowship with others? Is it blinding you from enjoying the Lord and sharing his goodness with others? Could the idol of busyness be blinding some of us? Do we get in such a hurry I heard Rob pray this the other day that we, we just miss opportunities. We don't slow down at Walmart, slow down in life to see the needs of those around us. Could be our children, could be our roommates. Are we so busy about achieving a goal? I'm guilty of that big time, big time, especially at work. But I need to slow down and repent of the idol of just busyness and self-performance Another one is self-righteousness. Again, another one that I struggle with a lot. Whether it's criticizing others or even relying on my own performance. That's self-righteousness. That's a self-trust. And that can actually blind us 
from seeing the grace of God because I'm no longer looking at Jesus. I'm looking at myself. I'm depending on myself. And that's not pleasing to God. He wants to open our eyes, to restore our sight, to gaze upon Him so that it will be grace. It will be the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us to other people. Or a wrong view of God, or a big one for me, fear. Fear can blind us from seeing the goodness of God. Fear can blind us from seeing the needs of others. This last week was such a heavy week for me. Just battled some deep fear. And I noticed, at first I was really excited about studying the word to teach and to preach, whatever. I, I enjoyed it. But I just let this fear into my mind and heart. And what I noticed was it became all about me. I wasn't seeing the needs of others. I was so consumed with myself, so consumed with what I should do or not do. And the power of the Spirit wasn't able to flow through me as much as God wants to because I was blinded by my own thinking. But I praise God for repentance. I praise God for godly counsel. Sometimes when we're in our own minds, it's good to be submitted to godly counsel so that we can have someone help us think through things, help us to see where we're off, and point us to Jesus. So it's very important to be part of the local body and plugged in in relationship. These relationships are vital. So God wants to use you. Again, Jesus was sent to bring, proclaim recovering of sight to the blind. And we see that this is lost, perishing souls. But he also wants to do that in us so that we will be the vessels and the conduits empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring his truth, to help bring recovery of sight to lost souls. God wants to use your life. God wants to use my life in a deeper and stronger way so that we will take the message of salvation and the life of Jesus to lost and hurting souls. So how does the Holy Spirit help us recover our sight? We're going to learn from blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. Again, Jesus wants to help you daily, not just a one-time thing today, daily recover your sight from when you get off, when I get off, to be restored to see him because that's where there's life. That's where there's hope. That's where there's peace. And that's where there's the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read through this, and then I'm going to go back and make some pointers. We can learn a lot from blind Bartimaeus, and we can learn from Jesus and his response to blind Bartimaeus. All right, I'm going to read Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho, that's Jesus, with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I'm just going to pause there real quick. This is the Son of God, the Word of God made flesh, God in the flesh, humbling himself to a blind man who has sin in his heart, who has rebelled from Jesus like we all have, and he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is so kind. Jesus is so gentle. Jesus knew his need. Jesus knows your need. Jesus knows the need of those that are crying out for help, and they don't even know completely what they're crying out for. But look at his kindness and lowliness and compassion. What do you, man that I created, what do you want me to do for you? How beautiful. What a loving, merciful Savior in Jesus. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I'm just going to point out a few different things. One, again, how is the Holy Spirit helping us to recover our sight? He wants to show us our need. We heard on Friday night that God wants us, we're needy. And he wants us to see ourselves as needy people, as beggars. But that he is the source of meeting our needs. But too often, we can go through life blind to our need. Think we're okay. Think we got it all together. Think that, I, you know, I don't need um, to spend time in the word. Or I don't need fellowship. I don't need to humble myself and repent. You know, I'm a good person. That's a lie of the devil. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And there's a verse in Psalm 139, 23, and 24 that says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. When's the last time I've really prayed that prayer? Search me, God. Show me the ugliness of my heart. God, show me if there's anything in me that grieves you. How often do I pray that? Not a whole lot. But I can tell you, there's been times I've prayed it, and maybe a few days later, I'm in something, and I'm just angry at God and others, and it's like, oh yeah, I asked God. He's answering my prayer. For us to recover our sight and to really see Jesus, we need to see our need. I encourage you to pray Psalm 139, 23, and ask God to show you your heart. 
But he doesn't end there. He says, and lead me in the way everlasting. It's not this over-analytical, ultra-introspective thing that I get into. It's got to be the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, illuminating truth, illuminating Jesus and showing us our condition. Because as we're broken and see our need, then we can look to the cross and be like, Lord, I don't deserve you, but you gave me yourself. You've given me this family. You've given me mercy for what I've done. Thank you, Lord. We must see our need to have recovery of sight. So therefore, we will go out and share with others. But also in recovery of sight, blind Bartimaeus in verse 47, he had faith that Jesus could and would meet his need. He says, it says, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He wasn't trusting in himself. He was blind. He wasn't trusting in his ability really to do anything. He was trusting that if Jesus hears me, then he's merciful. He will heal me. His reliance was on Jesus. So in the process of recovering our sight so that we see him, and therefore we will want to step out in faith and go to a hurting world, we have to have our dependency on Jesus. If it's on our own abilities, if it's on our own right standing, our own works, we're not going to step out in faith. We're not going to step out in boldness. So Bartimaeus is a great example of a dependency on Christ. Let's be people who are Christ-reliant, not self-reliant. And that's going to be a lifelong process. But as we are more Christ-reliant, we will see, Lord, I don't qualify in myself to do this next step, to serve this person or this opportunity, but my competency is in you. You made me sufficient, God. You've cleansed me in your blood, God. Thank you. My faith is on you, Jesus. I don't feel it right now. I don't deserve it. God, my heart is sick. Cleanse me. I repent. But God, there's a need. So God, I'm stepping out to serve and to help meet that need. Not because of our own goodness, but as we are Christ-reliant people. Also, Bartimaeus, he persisted when there was opposition. They tried to silence him. And what did it say? He cried out all the more. How often do we, when there's opposition, when things don't go the way we want them to, the way we think they should be, or even our own mind, when we don't see God right, how often do we stop? How often do we complain? How often do we get into fear or doubt or bitterness or other things? But as God is helping us recover our sight, it's going to take some perseverance. It's going to take humbling ourselves and being persistent like, was it Zacchaeus? He wanted to see Jesus, so what did he do? He made steps to climb up on a tree. We have to take some steps of faith and persevere when the doubt, the mistrust, all this stuff is coming at us. God wants a persevering faith, and you know what he wants to do? He wants to meet us. Because what did Jesus do? It said he stopped. He called Bartimaeus. Jesus saw his faith. Bartimaeus had, he could see. He couldn't see, but he could see. He had eyes of faith. And Jesus stopped. The creator stopped where he was doing and called Bartimaeus. He sees if it's a mustard seed of faith, Jesus sees that. 
Give him that faith. Thank him with that mustard seed. Take a step with that mustard seed. Repent with that mustard seed. Pray and intercede for someone with that mustard seed. Because God is restoring our sight, church. He's doing it for us. God is helping us to be restored in our sight. That's Jesus' mission, recovery of sight to the blind. He's doing that for us so that we see him. We're filled with his life, whether we feel it or not. And we have faith to step out by the power of the Holy Spirit and reach a perishing and dying world out there. That is where the need is. But God is helping us to see him because it can't be in our own effort. It cannot be in our own effort. There's no power in our own effort. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need intimate relationship with God. But you know what? It's available as we learn from Bartimaeus and we apply the faith, the humility, the perseverance that he had. God is so, so faithful. So why is recovery of sight so important? I just mentioned some of it, but people are perishing. Again, Lord, Lord, help us to, to think about that more. Help us to be more aware of perishing souls, God. Help us not to get so busy on our agenda and our own lives, God, stuck in ourselves that we're blind to the perishing world, God. Restore our sight so that we will have a heart to go to those that are blind because we want to be a part of recovery of sight to them, God. That's what you're calling us to, recovery of sight for them. He's calling you, God is calling you to be a part of bringing recovery of sight to people, lost and hurting people. What an honor. We didn't deserve this, but that's the mission of Jesus, and now he's sending us. That's our mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So why is this so important? John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. God wants to give people eternal life. I talked to a man the other day that he was just indifferent about eternity. Just, uh, you know, didn't really know, whatever. That's, that's a serious thing. It's not just where we want to go to eat. That's where he will spend eternity. That's, that's an unbelief in God. That's be him believing a lie. God is calling us to go to proclaim recovery of sight to others. And it may be with your mouth, but it may be through your service. It may be through your prayers. It may be even in your own family, how we respond, how we act, the nature of Christ in us. But that's our calling. It's not to stay comfortable anymore. It's to go out. Praise God for that. There are hurting souls all around us. There are people who are depressed, who are deceived, people who are lonely, people who are addicted to drugs. And God is calling us, church. He is calling us. This weekend, he's calling us. He's restoring our sight so that we can be a part of seeing sight restored in others. I'm going to read this verse in closing. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith 
in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, I thank you so much for your truth. God, my feelings are not truth. My own mind and thinking is not truth. You preserved the word of God for us. You gave us the Bible as reality. It's God-breathed by Holy Spirit. That is truth. Help us to be people of truth who live according to the word. And God, your word says that people are perishing. Give us eyes to see them. Give us eyes to see Jesus so that we will see them. And God, give us faith to step out in faith as Jesus was sent. You're sending us, God. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. I'm going to read out of Luke 10 here. This is when Jesus sent out the 70 two by two into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And he said this to them in verse 2. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest go your way behold i send you out as lambs among wolves and they went and god did miraculous things through these bumbling disciples nobodies unlearned men they were not the religious elite of the day trust me Lots of things happened. Demons were cast out. And at the end of it all, they were just overjoyed. And it's like that. It really is when you see what God can do. They were so happy, and they returned to Jesus with joy. They said, Lord, in verse 17, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in that, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And then Jesus rejoiced. Jesus rejoiced. It says Jesus rejoiced in his spirit and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. I should say really those who are wise in their own eyes. Those who think they know. You don't reveal this to them, Father. But rather to babes. 
Even so, Father, so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And who the Father is except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and he said to them, Blessed are you. If you have seen, if you've seen him, if you've seen what he can do, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are the eyes which have seen the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets, kings, have desired what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. And there's a story right after this of a lawyer who comes to Jesus. And it's, it's not a lawyer like we would think of in our day. It's someone that studies and understands the law of God. He was an astute theologian of his day, knew how to expound on the law. And he came and asked Jesus a question. Basically what he was saying, how can I see? How can I have eternal life? And Jesus looked at him. And he said, what is written in the law? You know the law? You know what it says? What is your reading of it? So he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then he made a mistake. He said, well, Jesus said first, you've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus begins to tell him a story, a common story most of us know of the Good Samaritan, where this man is beaten by thieves. Everything is taken from him. He's left on the side of the road to die. And two men pass him by, and they see him, and one is a Levite, one is a priest. Both have the resources, the ability to help this man. They see him, but they don't really see him because it says they walk by on the other side of the street. But the Samaritan saw him, but he saw him differently. He saw him. He went to him. He picked him up. He took him to an inn. He bandaged his wounds. He rolled up his sleeves. He got involved in the need of this man. He took out his money. He paid the inn. He said, whatever else you need, whatever else this man needs, I will take care of the bill. And unless we understand we were the guy on the side of the road and Jesus was the good Samaritan, 
we will never see. We'll never see right. When Justin spoke last night and he finished, I felt like we should have an altar call right there. And then I wanted to go to the altar because God was dealing with me. And so I went home last night. I woke up around 1.30. And those words kept going over in my mind. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And I got up. I, I couldn't go back to sleep. And I went upstairs, and, and I tried studying for the message. I tried to put song lists together. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And as I read this passage, I also went to Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus is dealing with a lukewarm church. And, and you have to understand, there's a problem in the American church, typically two that I'm going to look at, okay? And, and they're both riches, but they're different kinds. One is the riches of this world. The other is the riches of my own belief in my spiritual life, self-righteousness. And so that's what Jesus is getting at in the church of Laodicea, who is lukewarm, they're seeing one thing, and God is seeing something totally different. And it says he's looking at them. He knows them. And he says to them, you say, I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I don't need anything. I'm good. And Jesus, knowing their condition, said, you don't understand you're poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. I, I want to counsel you. You need to buy from me gold refined in the fire. In other words, you need faith that's refined by the fire. That's what that represents, that gold refined in the fire. It's faith. It's real faith that is refined in the fire. You need gold refined by the fire. You need me to cover you. You need my righteousness. You need what I did for you. I'll clothe, I'll cover your shame. And then he says this. And I'll anoint your eyes with eye salve so you see. And when I read that last night... I said, Lord, anoint my eyes with Aesop. Help me to see. I hear you telling me to humble myself. God, put salve on my eyes. And I begged, and I begged, and I begged. And he began to reveal himself. And the more I saw him, the more I saw what a proud man I am. And I said, God, I'm not like you. And I laid on the floor. I, I, I just wanted to get as low as I could. And I, I really believe God has a sense of humor. I really do. I'm laying there. I'm bemoaning before God. And my German shepherd, uh, Eli, comes over and he's poking 
my neck. It's okay, Daddy. And I felt it was the Lord saying, it's okay. It's okay. I love you. I'm pleased when you're in this position. Now I can open your eyes. Now you can see me. Because we lose sight of him. And I'm like, Lord, I remember when things were so simple. When it was just, I was a sinner. I was lost. I was bound. I was in darkness. And you saved me. That's all I knew. And when I looked up, all I saw was a God of mercy that, that could have, if he wanted to, sent me to hell. There was no hope for me. But yet, in my mess, you extended your hand to me. And you covered this mess. You, you covered the filthy life I made. And then you adopted me. You, you, you brought me in. And it says in that, in that passage, behold, I stand at the door on knock. I want to come in. And I got a sight of God's heart for you, for his church, for people. His heart burns with a passion for you. He aches for you. He aches for you. He's always wanting you. That's why he died. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants to come in. He wants to dine and sup with you like it talks about in that passage. It's a picture of intimacy. He wants you to see him first and foremost. He wants you to know his love. <clears throat> like Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. When I heard of your faith, I prayed for you that God would open up your understanding, that you would know his love, that your roots would be rooted and grounded in it. Because when you're in your first love, you see. And, and the two basic problems of the church is we're not in our first love. We, we do everything right. We get all our doctrines right. We get all our things in order. We're doing what Christians should do. But there's no love. We don't see. We're too dignified now to, to lay at the feet of Jesus and, and wipe his feet, clean his feet with our tears and wipe it with our hair like the woman who knew she was a sinner. We're too dignified for that now. We've forgotten. We've forgotten what he's done for us. And I'll just say to you, that place of brokenness, that place of understanding what we are, but yet who he is and yet he loves us, there's no other place. It's his, where his presence is. It's where you enter. It's where your eyes are opened up to the wonder of who he is. And all the inhibitions, all the fears, all the things that keep you from going after him, from doing the things he's calling you to do, all the things you don't want to give up, it, it becomes absolutely nothing because now you see him. It's actually easy. 
because you realize they're all worthless. It's all nothing compared to him. And just being with him, and when you're tasting and you realize, I'm going to have this for all of eternity, and there's going to be nothing there, nothing to hinder, no flesh, no tiredness, no headaches, no weariness, nothing, just perfect fellowship with him. I'm just going to get caught up in him for all of eternity. Eyes has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those who see. All I could do is say, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love him. I do. I love him. Do you love him? Do you understand how much he loves you? Do you see? You won't. You won't. If you don't humble yourself. You won't if you don't let him put eye salve on your eyes. Humble yourself. There's still people in here, I believe, that don't understand your need fully. God has a blessing tonight. God has something for his people. It's really more of him, okay? It's him. It's his spirit. It's the fullness of his spirit. But he fills empty vessels. He can't fill a vessel that has other things taking up space. So he has to empty us. He has to get the hindrances out of the way. And mostly, it's just pride. It's just pride. It's all pride. You understand? It's all just different manifestations of what pride looks like. And the worst pride is religious. It's the worst kind of pride there is. And we are steeped with it in America. We, we somehow get in our minds, if I just do certain things and go to church and do this and do that, that somehow I see. Well, this lawyer didn't see. The young rich ruler didn't see. He didn't see Jesus. He was just like us. He was probably no richer than we are living in America today, comparatively. You understand that, right? We live like kings compared to the rest of the world. And we don't understand what those kinds of riches do to us. It blinds us when we look to that, when we hope in that, when we trust in that. We can't see him when we're pursuing that. That was that man's problem in Luke chapter 18. And Jesus looked at him, and it says he loved him. It says in Revelation 3, I rebuke those I love. Well, I don't, I don't like that. He loves you. He loved the Pharisees. Didn't sound like it sometimes, but he loved the Pharisees. 
but they were hard. Religious people are hard to reach. They just don't want to believe they're poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. They just can't come to grips with it. But yet, it's the most beautiful place to be because then you see. And then you get the real covering. You get the real comfort. You get the real Jesus. And he's wonderful. There's no one like him. You find out this is what I needed all along. It was him. It was him. It was knowing him. Just knowing him. That's it. That was, that's what I was made for. This is it. This is the ache. This is it. This is what's been driving me my whole life that I didn't even understand. Thinking I would find it in this and that. It's him. I see now. My eyes have opened. I remember when that happened to me. I remember. I remember when it happened. There's nothing more wonderful than when God opens the heart of a sinner and you see. It's painful at first. It hurts at first. It was painful last night. I wanted to scream when I saw how much pride was still in me. I said, God, get it out of me. I want you to be able to trust me. I don't want to hinder your life flowing through me, Lord. Get it out of me. I want to see you, and I want to see people like you see them. Get the pride out of me. Get it out, Lord. See, you have to know, you have to learn how to get before God like that. If you've never gotten before God like that, you need thyself. You need to beg him to open your eyes so that you'll see and yeah, you'll see that. And you'll realize you're actually worse than you thought you were. Because he's more wonderful than you thought he was. And he's more holy. And you realize all the stuff, all the things, maybe like that church in Ephesus that they maybe were, were taking pride in. We're, we're a great church. I mean, we score a 10, man. We do this. We do that. We do outreaches. We do this. We do that. And Jesus said, but I have something against you. You've lost your first love. You, you don't see me anymore. You know what happens when you're not in your first love? You, then you don't see him and you don't see people. You'll see the guy on the side of the road. And, oh, yeah. You'll read the newspaper. Oh, another shooting. Yeah. You'll hear about people starving. Oh, yeah, people are starving in Africa. Oh, it's so terrible. You'll, you'll read the, 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 the headlines of what's happening in our schools. And, oh, yeah, it's just terrible. You know, uh, we, need, we need to get the right person in office. That'll fix it. Oh, yeah, it's terrible what's happening. Oh, boy, I don't know what we're going to do. 
instead of breaking down and crying and weeping over a broken, lost, and dying world that needs to see the real Jesus, that needs to see people that have seen him. That when they see that, the cost of getting involved in that need means nothing. They joyfully just forsake everything. Just like Jesus did. You see, Jesus didn't stay in heaven when he saw you on the side of the road. He didn't stay there. God saw. He saw you. He saw me. The devil came. He stole. He destroyed. He left us for dead on the side of the road. And God saw. And it says he sent as Troy read, he sent his son Jesus. The father said, son, I need you to go. Yes, father. And we read in Hebrews, a body you've prepared for me, O Lord, to do your will. And he knew what that meant. It meant that body that he came in and dwelt, the word became flesh. At the end of his mission, was nailed to a cross for our sins. And he paid the price. He gave the income keeper whatever he needed so that we could be made well and whole. It cost him everything. It cost him everything. Because he saw. It says when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. He wants to give us eyes like that. Brother Steve, I am so glad you're here. We love you, brother. I am so glad you're here. God loves you, and, and he is so pleased that you are here. And we love you. You are loved. Brother, you are loved, brother. You are loved. God loves you. He sees you. He loves you. He knows who you are. He knows you by name. He's here for you. He's here for you, Chris. He sees you. He's not done with you. He hasn't washed his hands of you. He's a pursuer. Do you see him? Do you want to see him? Ask him for eye salve. God, help me to really see. I need to see, Lord. See, we don't like when things get personal, but that's what it was like when Jesus was here. He didn't sit up on a pulpit and give toss. No, he was in the crowd, and he would call people out. He would say things to people in front of everybody. We don't like that. We, we get uncomfortable. Oh, I got to go to an altar? What's everyone going to think? That's because you don't see. You don't see right.
So if you want to receive anything from the Lord, you need to ask him for eyesalve so that you'll see. So that when we come here tonight, we'll be like the 120 in the upper room. Guess what? They all saw. They all saw. And, you know, before that, they were all fighting who the greatest was. There was no one great in that room. They were all low. They were down at the feet of Jesus. They had been humbled. It's so good to be humbled. Just pray and, and ask a God, humble me. I know we're supposed to humble ourselves. The Bible tells us humble yourself. But I, we could pray, God, humble me. And then when he brings things, then humble yourself. Because he will. He'll bring circumstances. He'll bring people into your life. And it'll be an opportunity for you to humble yourself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, God didn't see his rightful position. And again, none of us have a right to any kind of position. He had a rightful position. He saw no need to hold on to that because he saw. And when he came, he stepped down from that position. He was willing to humble himself. He came to serve. Jesus, God, he came as a servant, a foot washer. He wasn't embarrassed to wash the disciples' feet. There was nothing in him that squirmed because he's lowly. He's so lowly. He's so humble. There's no self in him. There's no thought of himself. You understand? He is pure love. All he sees is you and the need, and he doesn't care what it's going to take. He's willing to die, and he did die. So you could live, so, so you're not left on the side of the road to die. That's how good God is. Don't harden your heart against such a good God. Don't be afraid to humble yourself to such a good God. One day, every knee is going to bow to him. Whether you do it now or later, better now, I think Justin said, better you fall on the rock than the rock fall on you, right? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I'm going to pray for eyes to see. And I need to see more. I'm just being honest with you. Because when he starts peeling the layers back, it's scary how much pride is still in there. But I'm to the point, guys, God has been encouraging us to believe him. I almost can't handle it anymore when I walk outside. I, I saw Matthew yesterday out there, and I just want to walk over and just say, be healed. Why not? My heart's breaking for kids, for you. It's God's heart. You understand? He wants you to share in his heart. He, he wants you to feel. 
he feels for people. When you love him, when, when you humble yourself and you know his love, you'll know that love for people. It's not you. It's not us. Trust me, I don't love people in and of myself. I can't even love my wife without Jesus. It's tainted. It's selfish. There's always something in it for me. God's not like that. And you taste it. You get a little taste of it every now and then. I got a taste with you today, Steve. I just love you. It, I can't help. I just love you. It's Jesus. I just want to hug you and I just take you in my arms. Come here. I love you. arms <laughs> he wants you to go and hug those you might not want to hug and I don't mean I don't want to hug you but you understand what I mean he doesn't want us to be uncomfortable around anybody he wants you to be free to love to walk this earth the way he walked this earth to be able to give hope to people, to set people free, to open blind eyes, to set captives free. He wants to use your life. He did it with the disciples when he really got a hold of them. And really, that's what the Holy Spirit is about. I mean, the greatest manifestation of the Holy Spirit is love. Brother Glenn shared not too long ago, we, we can have tongues of angels, faith is to move mountains, but if we have not love, it profits nothing. I want it all. Do you want it all? But especially love. And that's what I want you to believe God for tonight. Believe him for everything else, but believe him for love. Believe him to get you out of the way, to take hold of you in such a way that he's able to take control of your whole body everything, all your faculties, and mostly your heart. So I'm going to pray. There's some people in here, you've fallen for the whole religious thing. You just don't see. You don't understand. There's still things that you, that you need God's covering. And, and you need to just ask God to help you to see. Now, maybe there's some people in here that God, you know he was speaking to you about some things in the, in the meetings. And you should have responded, but you resisted. Ah, oh, no, I'm all right. You talked yourself out of it. You have to humble yourself. You, you have to humble yourself. If you want to receive from God, if you want to see, if you're tired of not really seeing, you know, you know, I know, 
I know when I'm not seeing right. I know when something's wrong. And you know how I know? I don't love people the way I should. I don't see people the way I should because I'm not seeing him. And, and I know my heart feels hard. I could read things. I could see things. It doesn't bother me that much. I'm not as sensitive. And that's when I hit the floor. God, I need eye salve. Lord, help me. I've lost sight of you. Somehow, something has distracted me. Help me. So if God was showing you things, is showing you things, let him open your eyes. When I pray for you, my prayer is that God's going to open your eyes. But you got to run to him. you got to humble yourself. You have to learn to humble yourself. Well, why do I got to go to an altar? That's your pride. That just right there tells me you're not humbling yourself. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Blind Bartimaeus didn't care. The woman with the issue of flow of blood didn't care. They saw, they understood. Do you see? Do you understand who's here for you? Do you understand your need? Do you understand what he can do for you? Whether you're lost and you've heard the gospel a million times, but you know it's not doing in your life what it's supposed to, you need to let God help you to see and break you so you come to him properly and surrender. Because when you see, you don't hold on to your life. You let it go. It's easy. That's how you know you've seen. You do what it says in Romans 12. You just lay your life like a living sacrifice. I remember when that happened to me, when I finally saw. You don't want to hold back anything from him. Maybe some of you have taken some back, like we heard yesterday. We pick things up again. We take back parts of our lives. And then we lose sight and we wonder why. But God says, see, you see that? You see that thing? Bring it to me. Humble yourself. Don't rely on your religious upbringing. That won't save you. Only Jesus can save you. So I'm going to open up the altar here in a minute. This is about humbling ourselves. Lord, Lord, first and foremost, I come before you. There's no one special here, even the pastor. We're all nothing before you, Lord. We're just servants. We're all just servants. Unprofitable ones at that. But Lord... You've looked upon us, Lord, with love, with compassion. You came, you humbled yourself. You were beaten, you were despised, Lord. There wasn't people 
adoring you all the time, Lord. They despised you, it says. They despised you, Lord. And it was my rebellion, it was my sin that nailed you to that cross, Lord. And when I was on the side of the road because of my own rebellion, really, you came. You bandaged my wounds. You paid whatever it took to redeem my life. And I'm here today, Lord, praying. Give me eye salve. Help me to see more clearly. Lord, give us here eye salve. I pray for everyone here, Lord. There's eyes here that they see a little bit maybe, and that's what eye salve does. It, it's an ointment. It, it, it helps eyes that are struggling or not seeing well to see better. Lord, we need to see clearer. So I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, apply that eye salve spiritually to every heart, to every mind in this place, Lord. Help us to see. Bring those things up to the surface now, Lord, that we tried to push down maybe the last few days or even right now, Lord, or something you've already been dealing with us that is hindering us, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, open eyes right now, Lord. Help us to see, Lord. Help us to see what you see. And then, Lord, help us to see you. And help us to come to you broken and to open the door of our heart and to let you come in the way you want to. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you're here. You're not afraid of anyone's mess. Your word to all those churches was just repent, repent. Turn away from those things and turn to me and come to me. I'll wash you, I'll cleanse you, I'll clothe you. And you know what? We'll dine together. We'll, we'll be intimate together. I'll open your eyes. You'll get to know me more. Don't resist him today. Let's all stand. If God's speaking to you and, and you just need to humble yourself, come to the foot of the cross here. It's here. Don't miss this opportunity. Just humble yourself. Just humble yourself. Thank you, Lord. Yes, he, he's worthy of it. Yeah, you're worthy, Lord. We just bow before you, Lord. King of kings, Lord of lords. You're so wonderful, Lord. I know you're, you're laying right beside these precious souls, Lord. You're drawn. You're drawn to this. You're drawn to these, Lord. You're so drawn to them. You're drawn to the brokenhearted. You're so drawn to them. That's Those are the ones you can comfort, Lord. You know what? This is between you and him. You, you don't need anyone to pray for you. Jesus is right there with you. You just begin to talk to him. That's what I did last night. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, Lord. There's still so much pride in me. But, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for showing me all the things, God, that still hinder you. God, it's, I know it's just because you want me more, Lord. So, Lord, even though it hurts, even though I grieve, Lord, that, that I would even want something more than you or I would want to steal your glory, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I just want to fall at your feet, Lord. I just want to be like you, Lord. I need what you have. I need to see the way you see, Lord. You see the Father. There was nothing between you and the Father. And because you loved the Father and the Father loved you and you abided in that love, your love was manifested to us. Lord, that's what we want. We want to know that love. You prayed it for us. You prayed that we would know that love that you and the Father have. That's what it's all about. You didn't come to condemn us. You don't point things out to push us down and push us in a corner. No, you do it so you can embrace us. So you can come in the way you want to come in. So you can open our eyes and we can see you. See you, Lord. Know you. And find that you're the treasure. It's you. It's you, Lord. It's you. Thank you. And just begin to thank him and hug him back. I love you, Jesus. Tell him I love you. I want to love you with my whole heart. I want to love people like you love them. Jesus, fill me with your love. Open my eyes, Lord. Cover me. I need what you did for me. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. Wash me. I want to know you, Lord. I want to see you more. I want to love you more so I can love my wife, so I can love my children, so I can love my husband, so I can love my neighbor, so I can love the guy on the side of the road. God, I want your love in my heart. I want to walk as you walked, Lord, humbly, lowly, willing to get involved in people's needs, even if it costs me my life. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Oh, just love him. Thank him. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. I'm so grateful, Jesus. Just learn to thank him and rejoice in his goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your smiling face. Thank you, Lord, that you want me. You want me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Come in, Lord. My door, the door of my heart is wide open. Wide open, come in every room, Lord. Fill every place of my heart, Lord. Come in, Lord, more than you've ever had before. Or, Lord, if you've never been, I want you to come. I want you to come and take your rightful place in my heart. 
Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. I want all you have for me. I bow before you. I bow before you, Lord. I bow before you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, you know what each one is here for. Jesus, you're so wonderful. I thank you, God, that you know how to just come to each one right now, and you are. Lord, I just you're amazing how you dealt with everyone, Lord, perfectly. Deal with every heart here perfectly. Speak the right words. Give them the right glance. Open their eyes to certain aspects of you that are lacking. Lord, do that work in them. You know hearts perfectly. You know the right things to say. You know exactly what to do. Lord, do it now. Do it right now for these ones, Lord. Come to them. Bring that healing. Bring the healing that is needed, Lord. Restore, God. Restore. Restore the years the enemy has stolen, Lord. Hallelujah. Break any remaining bondages, Lord. Set the captives free, Lord. That's what you do. Set them free, Lord. No longer slaves of sin. No longer sin shall not have dominion over you, says the Lord. Shall not. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I thank you, Lord that now I see and whom the Son sets free indeed is free. And Lord, I am free in Jesus' name. I am free in Jesus' name. I am free in Jesus' name. Free to love. Free to love. Free to go. Free to minister to others. Free to serve you. Free to enjoy the joy of salvation. Free to suffer with you. Free to glorify you in this earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're in a good place. You know that? You're, you're in a really good place. When you come back tonight, you come back like this, and God's got something for you. He's got something for you. You come just like this. This is exactly what it was like in the upper room. There was no one great. They were all humbled, and they were ready. They were ready to go, but they had to wait. <laughs> so God's sending us. He's sending you. He's going to show you in the days to come, but you need what he has for you. So you come tonight expecting it. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to uh, uh, try to think what it's going to look like. You just come expecting Jesus to baptize you because he's the one who baptizes. He is the one that gives his spirit. And you come tonight looking to him. You come in faith looking to him. 
All those people in that upper room were just like us. This is a good start. They were just like us. This is the kind of people he can use. Broken people. People that see. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. You're going out as lambs amongst wolves. But Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. I will send my helper. Perfect love casts out fear. It's actually can be a joy to lose your life for him. And that's my prayer for you. So, Lord, we thank you. And we just trust you, God, to go above and beyond in all of us, Lord, as we go from this place and we come back tonight expecting, Lord, we, we expect you to visit us and to give us everything we need to go out into that harvest field, to labor for you, Lord, but to do it in the same love and in the same humility, in the same power that you walked in while you were here on the earth. God, we are believing you for that. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I would encourage you today, as best as you can, stay in an attitude of prayer and contemplation. If you have time to just get over the word, maybe some of these passages, however God leads you. But I, I know we have things to do, but let's just stay in what God is doing in our hearts. And it, it really, it's tonight's just going to be a continuation, okay? So you just come. Looking at Jesus. And just keep, just thank him all day. Just keep thanking him. Thank you, Lord. Just continue to open my eyes. More and more and more. And come with eyes of faith tonight. Thank you, Lord.